Like, what is that which hears, like, the last sound or the first sound? What is that that initiates seeing? What is that that is seemingly recognizing thoughts? What is that? Yes. Because we, we see thoughts or we hear them. We hear sounds. We see objects. We can feel things. We can taste things. We can touch things. We have memories of past feeling, tastings, and touchings. But what is there that has never gone? You know, what's there that hasn't been added to or subtracted from based on how the day was going? You know, what was there that was the same quote unquote amount at eight in the morning as it is at twelve at night? What's there that never blinks or never looks away, never yawns? What's there that? Every time there was an object to be seen in our, in our spectrum of vision, it was seen. Not one thing has ever escaped it. It's like that unblinking eye. What is that? Is it an object, really, for us to try to find out? Is it like some attribute that we can try to acquire or rub shoulders with so some of it would you know, blend into us and then we could become more of something or maybe less of something? Is it sort of like an addition or subtraction that we're looking for? Always with this is the main premise. This is the, the reference point. This is the unquestioned starting point. And trying to just basically, like in Buddhism, most Buddhism in a sense is the introduction of skillful means to make it through this mess every day so that you don't jackpot yourself. And then programs like recovery are for people who can't, you know, they're, they're, they're managing themselves has, has caused them to be managed by others, you know. So they're giving us, so the 12 steps are about how to navigate a day without having a freaking drink by 12 o'clock or shoot some drugs by 1 o'clock. How can we just shrink this, like, this giant gargantuan thing called time and maybe get close to the vicinity of where we are by entertaining the concept of a day at a time or maybe an hour at a time or the now, where all we're trying to do is remedy the false effects of a false reference, you know? Never, never getting to the false reference that demands all of this correction. You know, that demands constant vigilance and working to keep myself streamlined so I don't pick up all this lint that I'm always picking up as I walk through a day. You know, it's always still, it's always still about that square three that's saying it's square zero. And we, we, we believe that, all right... We look at the game, and then we go to other people who are, on a, who are also on square three to give us a philosophy to try to make sense of this place, or the, so I don't blow my brains out or flip you out or whatever like that. And yet everyone we seek, or it's like the Course would say, we go to unhealed healers, you know, unhealed healers looking for a solution. But the solution is prior. There's tons of solutions after, and they're needed because the problem just keeps on geometrically progressing. It just keeps on mutating. So there's more problems and more problems. So you run into Buddhism, that isn't enough. So you've got to make an extreme version of Buddhism. You know? So you've got to add 
some stretching and then the book, you know, it's on and on. We're always trying to make a bigger package to produce a little more relief because the more we, more we solve the problems, the more the problems seem to have energy. So we got to get in, we got to upgrade our solution all the time. Yeah. We always have to add a couple more techniques or make the retreats longer or throw in some tantra in there to make them interesting or co-ed or not co-ed or silent or yapping or therapeutic retreats and every freaking thing else to massage this unbearability. You know, and maybe we're civilized about it. So we're not all just blowing up at Whole Foods, you know, at any minute. You know, when that person has got ten items in the five-item line, you know, because we're, we, we're too socialized to just try to fuck you. You know what I mean? I'm so tired of everyone getting in my way today. You know, it's just like, it's amazing because we're afraid of repercussions, basically. It's like we're Pavlovily trained. I, if I act out, I'm going to get punished, so I'm not going to act out. So, tons of ice cream. Throw that in there. You know what I mean? Die Hard 8 to 12 with, with a narration from Bruce Willis. Oh, so thank you for explaining your intentions in this film. It goes on and on and on. Because the problem, the solution to the problem is that there is no inherent real problem. That's the only solution that's viable. After you go through all the catalogs of solutions, or like the Course says, or after you do all these things like contemplation, meditation, yoga, service, you know, celibacy, celebration, all this, all that, if any of it's worth its salt, it's going to lead you to the realization, I need do nothing. What? Yes, I need do nothing. Now, does that mean I've done enough and now I finally don't need to do nothing? Or, oh, I hate to hear this, that it was the, whole, it was the truth the whole time that I needed to do nothing? I want to keep it, oh, I've done so much now, from now I need do nothing. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But that ain't it. No, you and I need do nothing. But, but, here's where the world always begins. But, but, I mean, I've got to purify myself, Right? All right, well, if you believe that to be true, then you will have to. As you believe, so it is. So, if you believe you're on a path, so there will be a path. If you believe you need this, so therefore you will need that. As you believe, so it is, as Jesus Christ put out there. Yes, supposedly. As the man thinketh, so he is. There you go. He's explaining the whole root of the problem in one sentence. As you believe, so it is. So, if you believe you're not enough to receive nothing, then you're going to have to do something about you until you're ready, until all that doing exhausts you and you finally recognize, Jesus, I'm so tired of grabbing and grasping. Oh, and then you, and then you realize what you were using for hands or wings and now you're just flying in the unknown or whatever you want to call it. Or you've been shifted into a a state of centeredness instead of self-centeredness, which is a mental state that constantly has to reinforce itself to keep it somewhat stable. Because it's such an agitated picture, you can see through it every second. But if it just keeps throwing the same picture, it seems to be a solid thing. So it's constantly, constantly reinforcing the sense that you're a self. That you started at square three, and there's no looking back because every time you look back, 
All you can look back is with conceptual eyes. So now you have an eye concept of God. You have concept of the truth. You have concepts of enlightenment. You have concepts concepts of awakening. And then and they they masquerade as the real deal. You think you know something by conceptualizing it. But as Ramana Maharshi says, to know God is to be God. To know God is not to become a knower of God. That's conceptual. To know God is to be God. Be God. Be. So I was talking about this book. I was in some bookstore and they had a book on consciousness. 900 freaking pages. Now, you are conscious. Why would you... What? If you're conscious... Do you need a book about consciousness? You're the book about consciousness. You're it. You're, you're, you're it. You're all day. This is what it's like to be conscious. Oh, let me refer back to the book on page 453. This is what it's like to be... Oh, oh, now I get it. Why? Because you made him or her a false authority? You're, you're feeling it. You're feeling what it's like now. I mean, I don't need a 900-page description. I know all about consciousness now. Great. Great. <laughs> I actually know it now. I made it into something to un- that I can understand. Fantastic. But something gets lost in the translation. It gets neutered. Yeah? you now see it as something outside of yourself. And now you're going to try to use consciousness to know consciousness. Or you're going to try to use mind to seek mind. You're going to try to use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You're going to try to use light to seek light. And you know, something is not going to work out. Because there's a fundamental mistake that can't be corrected because it's not actually true. You see, if it was true, maybe you could find something to correct it. But the only correction to it is realizing it's false. That's the only correction that works. Any other correction will be affirming its truth for you. And as you believe, so it is. That quick, too. It happens very quickly. The belief will make something seem real very, very quickly. And then what happens is either we want to make it unreal by doing things and getting out of ourselves, or we're going to try to make it more real by trying to understand it even deeper. But the fact is, the solution is prior to the problem. Prior. The solution isn't found in the thought system. It's found in what's seeing or hearing the thought system. Because that cannot be thought about. That is not an object. That is not a location. That is not a thing. That has nothing to do with the way we see the game game board from square three. It has all to do with square zero. So, let's say we, you call it being stunned or startled or a Zen bitch slap. That's sort of what it's like when, when that stream of mental stating is going on and something interrupts it. What do you sense? What you are. You, you sense the being of what you are right then and there. Yeah? That is all there is. 
it seems to be very fleeting because we immediately get onto the time conveyor belt, but in the timelessness, it overrides all of time. Yeah? And if you get startled on square 53 and you wake up, you wake up to square zero. If you're startled at square 24 and you wake up at square 24, you wake up to square zero. If you wake up at square 97 and you really felt like you went through these 87-something squares to get there, when you wake up, you're not going to wake up to square 120, which is your idea of nirvana. You're going to wake up to square zero. And after, sooner or later, you're going to recognize there's only square zero. Yeah? It's like a beggar. She could, no one else would do it. She had to come to me. Yeah? You, went, you recognize you've only been at square zero. That square 23 was an appearance in square zero. Square 58 was an appearance in square zero. Square 97 is an appearance in square zero. Your mythical nirvanic square 128 is an appearance in square zero. So it becomes very, very clear to you Truly, you are what you've been looking for. Just not as what you've been looking for as. Yes? Not this constructed, conceptualized idea that somehow I'm spirit either having a relationship or living or being allied with a body. Yeah? It's not happening that way. It appears to be happening that way when certain conditions are in place and that condition is mind, big M mind, has become identified through a body with something that it's not, which it calls me. Yeah? That's the, that's the, that's the crowning, that's the boot that never moves from square three. That's, it starts the whole game there, ends the whole game there. It thinks it goes everywhere, it goes nowhere. So like I was saying in this island, if you could just take a half a step back, you know, not, not go heading towards square four, but take a step back, you know, just, just question the demarcation, the borderline between your mythical squares three, yeah, which means you think the, the game board drops off there. That's like the unknown, the abstract. I'm going to fall completely out of the game if I go back there. Take a step there and see. See what happens. See when you go back. Yeah. Yeah. See how scary it is, actually. You'll hear it. It'll be, you'll be, it'll be broadcast as being scary from the mental station. Yeah. But you can walk right out of that. And then all that sound and fury will sound distant. Yeah. And you'll finally see where you've been looking from. You'll see square zero. You will have awakened to the awakened. Yeah? You'll see square zero. You'll see all the machinations, all the working, all the, the slavery to memory that it, that it takes to keep this illusion, this phantom person being reinforced all day. And taking all of you to reinforce the idea that I'm a me. Every one of you. Yeah? You see it. It's exhausting. And it comes to naught. So the solution is prior to the problem. From the solution's point of view, there is no problem. 
Therefore, there's no need for a solution. That's the ultimate solution. The ultimate solution disappears or dissipates as a solution as soon as the problem is recognized as not, as not being so. There's no need for a solution. That's the greatest solution. You can't lose it because you don't have it. Yeah? You can't work it on because it's unworkable. You can't make it something, and you'll freaking try. Your mental state will huff and puff and try to make it something, but it, it's like a turtle that the coyote, after about five minutes of throwing it around, recognizes it can't get to the meat. It leaves the turtle alone. That's what nothing is like to the inquiring mental state that wants to make it something. Make it, I'm awake, I'm a look at this loving gaze, I'm, I'm writing books, I'm going over, da, 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 da. It won't give you a damn fucking thing. And that's why it's the solution of all solutions. Nothing is the gift that keeps on giving. Nothing. Nothing is what we are masquerading as a something. And then we're trying to, some of us are trying to find nothing from a something. But the fact is, the something isn't true. That's how you find nothing. You don't find nothing by looking for it as a something. You find nothing by realizing you're not that something that's looking for it. Yeah? You fall into it. And when you fall into it, there was never, you never even fell into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You were there. You were so there, you weren't seeing it. <laughs> it was totally going unnoticed in plain sight all day. <laughs> it's a simple message. It gets simpler and simpler, actually. That little point where the thought system gets engaged without interest and attention, and then the world is born, yeah? and then time is born, and then things are born, then processes and paths and journeys are born, all of that is still never going to bleed into the context. It's always content to what we are. We are the context of the dreaming. We are the dreaming. Yeah? We are the context of the dream. Look at this kid. He throws the ball like 50 times. He's going to have that same reaction. Yeah? The dog is having the same reaction. We're the only people who are bored. Oh, I've done this before. Uh, I'm tired of throwing this ball. I did it. I remember when I last chased that ball. But these two, no. Look at that. Fucking the thing's unbelievable. Go on and on and on. Your arm could fall off. That's why that, they got that guy with that made that little thrower. I mean, it was one of the greatest little inventions. It saved a lot of shoulder operations. You know, because <laughs> the dog is never going to get bored. Nor is the kid. Look at it. He's still looking at the sand like what the fuck. <laughs> you know. And here we are. Oh, the sand's in my shoe. I hate sand. Because this becomes the center, and this needs a lot of fucking maintenance. This is affected by emotional states, physical conditions, circumstances, mental states. Yeah, it's it's like a volatility trying to find stability by controlling and managing other volatilities. Yeah, it's like a volatility. It's a made up like cloud that's trying to hold its form in all these variables. The sun's you know, disappearing it, 
the wind's blowing it. But I'm the donkey. I still look like that donkey. No. It's like so much effort. Isn't it? I mean, what do you, what do you have to go through today as a body and be identified with? You've got to take care of the physical condition. Some of us probably did two hours of yoga and prana just to get here at 11 o'clock. We probably had a, a power protein smoothie with extra flax seeds, yeah, and maybe a gluten-free muffin. Yeah? We have five different exfoliants in the shower, three different shampoos, four different conditioners. Yeah, we had a pumice stone. We rub that out. Yeah, and then we're sort of ready. And then the winds blow in and blows our hair out, and then uh, we're in a tizzy already. Jesus Christ. I worked an hour with that blow dryer. There's a variable. We're always going to run into them. Your emotional state is very fragile. Yeah? It goes up and down and mosses and that. The mental state, forget it. It's like herding cats up there, yeah? The mental state. Circumstances and situations. None of, some of us don't have enough money to live in a gated community and have whole foods and fresh juices brought to us every day. We actually have to go out. You know, into traffic and, and, you know, forage and shit to get what we need. You know, seemingly. And by three o'clock we're exhausted. Jesus Christ. I made, and my idea of, like when I was using drugs and alcohol, my idea of success was not to be arrested. It's all, now it's just to get home in one piece. Phew. Didn't have much drama. I didn't run to any ex-girlfriends. You know, no. Whew. Uh, you know, I'm just going to stay home the rest of the day. <laughs> Read spiritual books. That'll get me closer to the truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's why there's like 800,000 of them. 800,000 spiritual books. <laughs> now, if you weren't located where you were, maybe they'd be really helpful. But they're helpful only to remind you not about the book, but about what you are. And actually more about what you're not. So that you can see, see it. It's plain as day. How do you know how you feel? You probably don't unless the thought system tells you. I see it. People go to work. They're up. They go to work and then they go home. And at 8 o'clock, the mind breaks the news to them. They had a bad day. You had a fucking bad day today. What? Oh, yeah, you did. That guy was bothering you all day at the office. Oh, yeah, he was. You don't have a clue. You're out to lunch. You have no, you're not rooted in any kind of sense of being on now, so the mental state can tell you anything it freaking wants. I know she's cheating on me. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah? Oh, yeah, I'm going to drive over to a house right now. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? All because we put ourselves in a precarious position where we need tons of things because we haven't realized what we are. And those things become like substitutes for what we are, and therefore we're, very, we're hoarding them, we're very possessive of them, we don't like anyone to mess up with my peace. I did four hours of meditation this morning, I don't want any of my roommates to make any noise. You know, it's very, very fragile. It could crack in any minute. And then i got to go to four hours of yoga. Does everyone really like four hours of straight yoga? Maybe they do. I don't know. It seems a little bit of a chore every day. There is a solution. The solution is the inherent 
Petri dish, the inherent reference point that isn't inherent, is false. Just tell the truth about that, and then you'll be placed in a position of neutrality, like it says in recovery, with no thought or effort on your part, and you'll find out what life is like. Not by reading about it, by the living of it. You'll see in your own laboratory what's going on. You'll be awake. You won't be trying to find some kind of, could you please tell me how my day was? (laughs) You'll know, hey, it was pretty blanket empty, like every other fucking day, basically. It becomes more like a vacuum every day. (laughs) I can't even, I mean, I don't even try to paste anything on the space anymore. It's just fucking empty. Empty, yet it's the most full event of all. Instead of trying to mine every experience, you just let it all be what it's doing, you know? You're untouched, unsettled, you're not affected, you're just there. Yeah? The body's affected, the mental state's affected, the emotional condition's way affected, my feet are affected, my knees are affected, but what I am is not affected at all. Why, why not bring, allow a little of that to be influential here? What's going to bring it forth if it's not you? What's going to allow it to have some sway here unless it's you? You don't have to find permission somewhere else. If you're not the thinker, the thoughts you'll lose interest in. If you're not the feeler, feelings will come and go like they naturally do. If you're not the seer, you'll enjoy the seeing of things. If you're not the hearer, you'll enjoy the hearing of things. You'll recognize this is the only way what I am can be intimated here is by seeing and hearing and feeling and tasting and touching what I'm not. That's how I get a certain flavor of my own sense, my own essence. I get it through intimation. I sense it by realizing what I'm not. Just using some simple rules that we've been given by some great people or whatever you think they are. Whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. There's a ruler for you. Whatever can be perceived, thoughts, hearing, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. End of story. All right, get on with it. From that point of view, you can see, you can see everything that you're not. And in the seeing of what you're not, you'll be reminded of what you are. Or you'll have a sense of what you are while you're seeing what you're not. Yeah? That's the joy that manifestation provides. What is can have an intimation of itself in the manifestation of itself. See, they're happy, they're coming. Yeah? What can't have an experience of itself, what can't know itself, can seem to know itself in manifestation. So here we are, we are that, and yet in all of this, we can intimate through this, that we are that. We can't know it, we can't touch it, we can't taste it, we can't have it, we can't claim it, but it can be intimated. We are the living scene of what we're not. Every day, all day. It's love to me, to tell you the truth. It's so consistent, never gets interrupted, it's love. So I see you, I definitely know that's not you. 
I see this. I definitely know that's not this. I'm not this. I see, and then after a while, the emphasis will be on the seeing. And now you've recognized. Now this, ah, so I'm a verb. I've been trying to see the verb as a noun, but I'm, I'm actually a verb. Ah, now I'm running with the water. That's how I recognize it. I'm of the water. That's how I recognize it. Yeah? I'm of it. I'm verbing. And then I see everything as what it is. And then I get intimation of the truth. Yeah? But as a noun, I just can't see the verbing. I can only see a verbing implying a noun. So thinking implies a thinker. Feeling implies a feeler. Tasting implies a taster. Action implies an actor. It's like a it's like a manipulated mental landscape. All there is is verbing, but the mental state puts nouns in there. Calls them little cities, gives it name and form, and then makes up a story about it. And then you live as an occupant of that world. Starting at the game at starting on the game board of life at square three, never, never, never even imagining there's anything behind you. The tough act to follow. I got the kids, the dogs. We got some circus people over here. Bring out the lion. Come on. Let's see, I can still give a talk no matter what. I gave a talk between a Super Bowl game, halftime, in Staten Island. I did. Playoff game. We had a satsang at halftime. Who was I to say it couldn't happen there? And they had a good buffet anyway. It's like I'm a satsang lounge singer now. I'm going to like truck stops, truck stops or like airport rest areas where a lot of people have layovers. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you ring number four, you'll hear some, someone will come and give you satsang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel so much better. Oh, thank you. That's what it's probably going to come down to. That's what it is coming down to. Satsang is just being used to relieve the pressures of the action figure all fucking day. Instead of taking it, going, seeing the real invitation in it, yeah? Where you are the relief that you're looking for. You are that relief. You are the source of the relief that you're looking for. Instead of using this message to just placate the the volatile, the volatile conditions, try to calm them down somewhat, again, being used as, as like a tool from square three on the board, taking it as an invitation, not a dissertation, not a path, not a freaking other thing that you do during your day, but as an invitation of what's looking. Yeah? An invitation. It can be repeated quite a lot, but it's a constantly an invitation. It's like an envelope with nothing in it, which is the greatest inventory at all. Invitation all. Boom, 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 boom. And after you get tired of using it out here to try and make your day better and this and that, it'll still be laying there and all in your mental rooms, that envelope will be laying there and then suddenly mind will pick it up and see itself. Aha! That's what I've been looking for this whole time. Not as an addition or as a tool to make my way through the day. That's a byproduct of it. 
but to be what I'm looking for. To be it. End of story. Now the stories unfold, but the end of story. Or the last answer, or the unspoken yes, or however you want to imply it. But finding there's nothing beyond that. There's nothing beyond the seeing that's seeing it. There's no seer at the end of the golden rainbow. There's just seeing. Yeah? So, I'm happy to be back. Yes. My home stadium here. Yes. <laughs> it's got great lattes around the, the stadium. Where I was, terrible lattes. It was like coffee mixed, masquerading as espresso. They weren't fooling me. Yeah. It really was. It was like day-old coffee with a lot of milk in it. I'm fucking foam. All right. Four dollars, whatever. So. <laughs> so, any questions? Of course not. Because you've all been trained very well. Yes, really. Don't you go, I don't know. I think to be weaned off of questions is good. Oh, there we go. Yes. I had the door closed and I just kept it open. I lingered. What? Can you say something more about that love that I'm supposed to that you're talking about? Well, I'm talking the uh, the love of the constant reminder being offered through what's causing you to be, in a sense, not causing, but the the machinery of delusion can be used to remind you of what you're not. So every time you perceive a thing, you realize that cannot be perceiving. Every time you see anything, be it a thought or a feeling, then that cannot be what's perceiving. And then you finally get to the point and it's reminding you all day. Every day that you're awake, you're seeing what you're not. And that's the kind of I would think so. Because here it seems to be very easily easy to forget. Yeah? And so this beautiful this is so beautiful because it uses the quote unquote in a sense poison to be the antidote. Now, in what, how I used to see things was like the reinforcer of the delusion is now being used to reinforce the remembering of what I'm not, what I am, by seeing what I'm not. And there's no remembering of what I am because it's not a past event. It's always available at all times. So it's like a living memory. Yeah? So these great masters, they gave us these little rulers just to keep us in the ballpark of now. You, whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. You can't use mind to seek mind. Can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. And the opposite, in another version in recovery, self can't get out of self. So being is the love. Yes. What else is? And when being sees what's going on here, it sees it's not it. And that's the love. That's the reminder. So, because let's say it was about seeing what you are. How many times have you thought you saw what you are and it became very infrequent? But what seems to persist here is the seeing of what you're not. All freaking day, isn't it? People are trying to see what they are and they make up some story of some epiphany or peak moment and usually it just supports the, the absence of it which causes them to go into an emotional mental health. But by seeing what you're not, it reminds you 
that you're not that all day. Yeah? Seeing what you, what you are doesn't work because you're not objectified. Yeah? But seeing what you're not is using the objectification to infer the subjectivity. That's love. when you can believe that you're not you very easily that same that same what's being used to produce that can be used by mind to produce the inference of itself of that which it is yeah by not by having any idea or an icon or a picture or a conceptual idea of what I am, but by the constant seeing of what I'm not, the intimation of what I am is available, or what they call the presence, which is just the intimation of what you are. You sense the presence of what you are. You can't see what you are, but you can sense the presence of it. And how it works with me is I seem to arrive there by seeing what I'm not. Yeah? Not by looking for what I am, but by seeing what I'm not. Looking for what I am doesn't work. I just put really, that's a sad, pretty good quality of like sadness and time and mystery, but it's sad, you know, that so much time in my life I've that way. Well then, see again, given over to big M mind, it can be used. Given over to the mental store state, it'll be used to make up a story that you were sad and you really blew it and I've wasted so <laughs> Again, it's all about you. It's just like gloriously drenched in Eunice all the time. Yes, yeah. All right, well, that's it, eh?